Uh, where's the music? Hello? Hi, Elisa? Laura? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, where's Andrew? I don't know. I thought he was just with us. Andrew? (sighs) Jesus, Andrew. I know you don't have a soul, but that doesn't mean you can just disappear on us. I can't even hear anything from his end. Wow. It doesn't look like he's on. Well, uh, I do guess it live. <laughs> do it live. Fuck it. Welcome <laughs> to Millennial Season 4, Episode 10. I'm Laura. And I'm Elisa. No Andrew this week. Uh, apparently, he's dropped off the face of the earth to go for his third butthole bleaching so far this year. It's, wow. That's, that's a, a lot. record low <laughs> for him. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's a lot, isn't it? But I, you know, I wouldn't know. No. Yeah, so no Andrew this week. Uh, it's just myself and Elisa, but we promise uh, to make this as fun, <laughs> as fun for everyone as possible. Um, so we're going to be reading a note from Andrew, actually, because he can't fucking stay away from us for two seconds. Uh, then we're going to be talking about some news, some things about North Korea and uh, pharma douche Martin Scarelli. Then we'll be doing mm. some feedback. And then to wrap up the show, Elisa and I are going to be going to be doing an AMA edition where we took some questions from the Facebook group where you guys are allowed to ask us anything and everything. So we'll be covering all that tonight. Elisa, how are you? What does it feel like to actually have the show to ourselves for once? It feels like what the show was meant to be. I know. From the beginning, you know? I'm kind of okay with it. And, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I think I think this will be a little rough around the edges. No. Without, without We're going to be fine. Um, but we'll, we, you know, we will persevere. Like, like our forefathers before us, like the great suffragists, we will persevere. Yes. So, listening live over at Patreon.com, just want to say hi to Angel, Shania, Whitney, Ian, Victor, Andrew, and JY. Thanks for being with us, guys. What's up? Uh, Several of, uh, at least three of these people are listening live for the first time, too. Oh, shit. So. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm sorry this was your first episode to listen live to. Just, yeah. It's going to be fine. So. I have to observe. I'm looking out the window right now, and it is still daylight. Yeah, isn't that weird? I'm so fucking happy simultaneously about that, but also pissed off Yeah, that the time changed again. Why is this still a thing? I don't know, and I feel like we have this conversation every single yep. year. Like, collectively as a society, we're like, why do we do this again? And then the next day comes, and we're over it, and we kind of forget until the following year where we wake up sleep deprived uh, and we have this whole conversation yet again. I don't know. I mean, I understand that daylight savings time started as like a whole agricultural thing to give us more time to farm and whatever. I, I don't care. What I care about is waking up on Sunday, it being like 9 a.m., but my body thinking it's 8 a.m. Then I go through my day miserable and exhausted. Yeah, so my boyfriend and I went to a game night on Saturday night, and we left at like 1 a.m., which we were like, that's a respectable time, not too early, not too late. And when we got home, I looked down at my phone, and I was like, oh, it's like 1.58. Okay, we'll just go to bed, and we'll get plenty of sleep. And then I watched the moment when it turned from 1.59 to 3 o'clock in the morning, and I was angry. Yeah. I threw my phone at the bed in disgust. It's really like being in a a Twilight Zone episode where you're just like, a whole hour went by. What happened? Was I abducted? Aliens. Aliens. Shit's for real. (laughs) Shit is for real. We discussed aliens on last week's episode of After Dark. So if you haven't heard that, I would definitely recommend checking it out over at patreon.com slash millennial. Um, Speaking of Patreon... Uh, We wanted to issue a reminder that Matt's catchphrase poll on Patreon closes on March 15th. This is the poll where you guys get to decide which of Matt's statements are going to end up in our intro music forever. 
So you'll recall that our intro music starts out with Mike is Iconic live to tape. We're going to follow that up with a few phrases that are interesting. <laughs> Matt got a little carried away. It was very funny, though. I can't, what I can't believe, I think that the two top choices right now on Patreon were it's a lifestyle and people are stupid. Those are the two Matt catchphrases that are sort of neck and neck on Patreon at the moment. Um, But that could change. And I don't know. I'm kind of partial to people are stupid myself. It just feels like a really good, succinct way to capture what the show is all about. Yeah, I agree. You know, I looked at the whole it's a lifestyle thing. And all I could think was this is too hashtag relevant. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's too on the nose. It's, but exactly. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's it's listener's choice. So if you would like to vote in that poll, just head on over to patreon.com slash millennial. And you can have your say. We also want to give a plug for today's episode of After Dark. Elisa, what did we mm. do yesterday? We had our boyfriends come on the show. So... In this week's After Dark, we have my boyfriend, Brian, Laura's boyfriend, Mark. They come on. We talk about all kinds of things, primarily just online dating from a boy's perspective, because both of us met our boyfriends through OkCupid. So we talk about that experience, what it was like for them as guys to go through online dating, what the differences are. We ask them for the weirdest or craziest messages that they got. Um, Yeah, and we get into some, I think, later in Palace Intrigue, which we also recorded, we also talk a little bit about my infamous butt plug story. Uh, we go into our relationships a little bit. So it was really fun. I liked having them on a lot. I already want to bring them back. Yeah, they were naturals. Um, so, of course, this means that this week's episode of After Dark is not going to be streaming live. However, it will be available immediately after we finish this stream. Yeah. So stay tuned. And it's unedited, I promise you. Yeah, it is. Anyway, so <laughs> basically it's, listening live. Yeah, so the funny thing about it was, I was like, okay, let's record this shit, and we'll just make sure, just in case it needs to be edited, because, I mean, neither of our boyfriends had done any voice work before, to my knowledge, at least. No. And I and I get these pristine files that need nothing done to them, and I was like, well, shit, that makes it easy. Yeah. it. I, I really wish, part of me really wishes that we had gotten some kind of video of that exchange because Brian was so nervous. <laughs> he fell in like he he became a lot more natural and I think by the end of it he was great. But the first 5 minutes you should have seen him over here sitting with me. He was fiddling with his earbuds like constantly like rolling them between his fingers, like rocking back and forth Aww. in like a like a semi-fetal position and like his every time he would go to speak like his face would turn red and it was really fucking cute oh and i promise it's not just like us sitting around gushing over each other there's some embarrassing things that get said yeah so look forward to that so before we get into the the meat of today's show i wanted to say that we got a note from the meat of this show Andrew. Um, He wasn't going to be on this week. He was supposed to step away and handle his family who's in town. But then he sends us this email. And I'm like, bitch, you're not supposed to be on. Fuck off. Yeah. But we're going to read it anyway. So Andrew says, Dear Elisa and Laura. Hi, girls. Love the show. It's Andrew. So recently, my boyfriend told me that before he began getting to know me in real life, he never would have dated me because I give off the impression on the show that I'm a slut. Can you mm-hmm. please explain to the audience that I am your everyday man who is very far from slutty? The mm-hmm. real me sits at home and pets my dog and plays video games. I go to bed at 10 p.m. Please tell them about the real wholesome me. Love, Andrew. <laughs> P.S. Please tell the audience I incorrectly called Love Simon. Hello, Simon. See Love Simon in theaters this weekend. Um So the the stuff I will say the stuff that is true about yeah. this email 
is that he sits at home, pets his dog, plays video games, and goes to bed at 10 p.m. Those things are all true. Right. I'm not sure I can speak to Andrew not being a slut, however. (laughs) My experience of Andrew is very much that he is a slut. Excuse me. I'm I'm kidding. I use that term, by the way, ironically and not sincerely. He is he is kind of slutty though. Um, I'm 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 half joking. I'm half joking and also half serious. <laughs> so the thing about Andrew here's I, I think we have to parse this a little bit. Andrew has a show persona. Yeah, and when he's when he's in show mode, he puts on he put he talks a big game. Yeah. So I think he makes him he makes himself sound sluttier than he actually is. Yeah. Whereas in real life, Andrew is uh, a hypochondriac. True. For starters, like he's so afraid of germs that I don't think he could actually be slutty because he'd be afraid of getting an STD and dying. True. I do. I I do agree with Lara here. In all seriousness, it's Andrew is almost like split personality. He's he he's he's mostly the same. He's mostly the same, whether he's on the show or off the show. But I think it's more that his personality quirks and the things that make him Andrew become much more exaggerated on air than they are off the air. So he's he's a lot more like a lot more calm and um i don't know how you would say it just not as not as raunchy not as lewd off the air as he is on the air i think when he's on the air he's he's all about giving everyone a great show and being entertaining and that really comes through but when you're just chatting with him like offline it is true he's he's a pretty big nerd and he's like really normal average I, wholesome might be going a little far. Yeah, he's, I'm he's not going to agree with that. Yeah, I'm not sure about wholesome, but he is a totally normal, non-slutty dude. Yes, agreed. Well, before you move on to the show, I wanted to drop a little more information about our sponsor, BioClarity. I've been using BioClarity for several weeks at this point, and I wanted to let everyone at home know how it's going. The amount of blackheads I normally see on my nose has reduced by half, and my skin feels as soft as a baby's ass. Nice. Yes. BioClarity doesn't have any harsh chemicals and is so easy on your skin, it can be used twice daily to deliver clear, glowing skin. That's because it's packed with Floralux, which is naturally derived from chlorophyll. The cool thing about this stuff is it's actually green. So when you rub it on your face, you get to feel like the Hulk for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what sells me (laughs) i'm normally skeptical of skincare routines because i've never had much luck reducing the redness in my face but the floralux makes me look less like i'm walking around with a sunburn after i get out of the shower so that's pretty cool god you really sold me on the hulk thing yeah (laughs) i get out i'm just like i'm always angry (laughs) (laughs) that's my secret BioClarity awesome. is delivered straight to you and is an easy-to-use three-step skincare routine that is 100% vegan, gluten, and hashtag gluten cruelty-free. Excuse me. BioClarity also offers an additional step called Hydrate, which is a lightweight moisturizer. And personally, my favorite step. Hydrate can be used alone or with the BioClarity system, and it is also green for you Hulk fans out there. Start a healthy habit and get glowing, clear skin. Just go to BioClarity.com. Our listeners will get their first month for only $9.95 plus free shipping. That's a $20 savings, and it comes with a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. But you have to enter our code MIL. That's bioclarity.com and enter our code MIL. I have to say that particularly it <clears throat> BioClarity being a sort of like skincare uh, product, it is... It is a good thing and impressive that's cruelty-free because mm-hmm. folks would be very surprised, I think, to learn how often animals are used in the testing process of cosmetics and um, just skincare, shampoos, soaps, all the time. All the time. Yeah. 
some of the biggest brands that you can name off the top of your head, uh, they test their products on animals and sometimes it's fine and nothing goes awry, but a lot of times it's not fine. So just on a personal side note, as a hippie, I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, speaking of things that hippies will appreciate, we're going to jump into news here. Uh, We talked last week about the bombshell news that dropped right before we started recording that the White House announced that Donald Trump was going to be meeting with Kim Jong-un to discuss denuclearization. Since then, the White House has already done some backpedaling on that meeting uh, because it turns out, surprise, surprise, Trump sort of just said he was going to do this without consulting anyone. Right. So... Very quickly after this happened, Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out and announced that they're not going to rule out this meeting, but it's to be determined in terms of when and where it's going to happen. And now it's back to being contingent on North Korea taking, quote, concrete and verifiable action to demonstrate its commitment to denuclearization. Really? I didn't hear that. They're actually saying that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So basically, it's not happening. Right. That was like, I was like, okay, so it's not happening. Cool. (laughs) I mean, were we, I I just, I have to wonder, last week, we were kind of freaking out about it a little bit. Now we're seeing a good amount of backpedaling. From what I've heard, this is supposed to be happening sometime in the spring. Um, So it's a pretty loose time frame for when it will happen, if at all. Do we actually think? There is any chance this will happen. Honestly, honest to God, I don't know. I just love, though, what I love is that when the news broke, we were all a little skeptical and we were all a little concerned and also surprised, frankly, just shocked by the news. But I I mean, I don't think any of us thought, you know what? It's just not going to happen, period. We were talking about the nuances of like, what policies were going to be demanded and and the logistics of such a meeting and the implications of such a meeting. I think maybe in retrospect, we were giving the whole thing a little too much credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, now, and now it's obvious that there's a very good possibility it might not even happen. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I also don't know if I want it to happen or not. That's the weird part is that I feel like with this administration, there is little predicting them or President Trump ever. But what's what strikes me most about this story is I'm not sure what I even would want to have happen. Because on one hand, clearly, we want more diplomatic um, connections with the Korean Peninsula that only stands to benefit the world when we're talking and having open dialogue. Um, on the other hand, just like we discussed last week, how much do we trust this administration to execute that well? Uh, I don't. This is the right. leader of the free world who gets on Twitter and refers to, in, in one breath, refers to Kim Jong-un as little rocket man. And in the other says that he admires him. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really such a tricky dynamic, and I have to wonder, you know, there's I have to wonder whether the reason that this meeting was even offered by North Korea in the first place is because President Trump is so unpredictable. You know, I sort of I it, it does make me wonder why this wasn't on the table um, with past presidents or why they never made these same sorts of overtures with past presidents and and the same sort of effort with past presidents to bridge this divide. We certainly did not see that, at least not publicly. I suppose it could have happened behind the scenes. We'll never know. But at least publicly, we didn't see any of this. And I've always, I've found myself in the past week wondering why, why President Trump out of all other administrations well, maybe it is because he's so unpredictable and they genuinely don't know what he's going to do. Maybe that actually scares them. Maybe that's frightening. We've been such a stable democracy up until this point, And now that we're not as stable, that's a terrible thing 
99.999% of the time. But maybe in this one instance, our instability has actually freaked North Korea out enough that they've gone, all right, <laughs> clearly we need to step up to the plate here because they're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I also have to wonder if it has something to do with them recognizing his volatility and seeing it as an opportunity to make themselves look better on the world stage. As you said last oh, week, yeah. they're they're the ones extending the olive branch. So the ball is kind of in Trump's court at this point. He's, as George W. Bush would say, the decider. So he's he's literally the person who is going to decide how this goes, if it happens, the tone of everything. Right. And based on his behavior with world leaders over the last year and a half, mm-hmm. I don't know that we should be expecting that much positive to come out of what he is going to bring to the table in this case. No, and I also say that I think I read, I think it was in the New York Times, today. it was either the Times or the Washington Post, but over the weekend I had read that um, apparently when this meeting was brought to President Trump's attention, um, the South Korean officials who told President Trump about this possibility were shocked that he immediately said yes. Apparently, they were in the process of briefing President Trump and saying, uh, you know, this is an offer from Kim Jong-un. He wants to meet with you. And they barely got their full sentence out before Trump was like, yes, all right. You know what? Just tell him yes. And, and they were shocked and baffled by this response. I find that extraordinarily telling the fact that the South Korean officials who live with the threat of the North more than anyone, by the way, I find it very telling that they were baffled and surprised that President Trump took them up on the offer. Because what that tells me is that South Korea probably believes this is a bad idea and possibly even a trap, at least like a PR trap. I don't mean any kind of like physical trap, but like a PR trap, a stunt to just as you were saying, Laura, make North Korea look better on the world stage and make the United States appear even more unstable and weak. Um, And if they can succeed in that, then maybe North Korea stands a chance at bridging its divide with other countries and not relying so much on China and Russia. Maybe North Korea stands a chance at starting to, I don't know, open open up trade with other countries. So I could see that kind of being their ploy here to put themselves in a good spot. Yeah, well, and I just have to wonder, given how close they are with Russia, or do we really think that Russia had nothing to do with this? Like, I could I could really genuinely see the Kremlin being like, yo, <laughs> so we kind of threw their election a couple of years ago. Uh, you want to make them look stupid again? Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> That's it's. It's scary that we even have to have that thought or conversation. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving along to our next news item. Uh, you guys might remember Martin Scarelli. He's the, oh, yeah. the pharma douche who increased prices on HIV medication by like what? Two, three hundred percent? Yes. Something yep. like that. Um well, he has been charged or sentenced to seven years in prison for fraud. <laughs> My favorite part about this was he cried at his sentencing. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, he cried. And he, didn't he say something like, I've, I've learned my lesson or, or I'm changed or something like that? He really laid it on pretty thick. Well, you're going to learn your lesson for the next seven years. And do you know what kind of fraud was this like, like money laundering type of fraud? Or was it like related to the stock market? I honestly don't remember. Um, I can confirm that for you. Sorry. I put you oh, no, 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 you're good. It was for defrauding investors into failed hedge funds. That's what okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's right. That sounds familiar now. I mean, gosh, gosh, what do you say? What do you say? Karma. 
Yeah. Right? Karma. I mean, his whole, he was so controversial well before the fraud scandal, because as you said, he raised prices on medication um, to 300%. And the worst part about it, though, is that a lot of, a lot of companies will raise prices on, on medicine. Uh, they'll do it incrementally, however. And they'll also be sensitive, at least in writing, and say, we realize this affects many people's lives and yada yada. Martin Scarelli did none of those things. When he raised, when he doubled and tripled prices on life-saving medications, he actually came out publicly and is on record and is an audio recording saying, um, yeah, yeah, I did it for money. He's like, this is clearly a captive market. They don't really have much choice except to buy the medicine because they need it to fucking live. So that seems like a great opportunity to me to make a ton of more money. Like, we're really lowballing <laughs> on these prices. And was just so transparently fucking greedy and evil about it. You know, if he had raised prices on this medication, on HIV medication, even by like, <clears throat> let's say $5, um a prescription he still <clears throat> given the number of people on it still would have made a shitload of money but he wasn't satisfied with that he had to like triple it and and then when he was called to the carpet and people asked him why what's wrong with you he laughed he laughed in their faces i mean i'm not exaggerating i'm not exaggerating he literally laughed and was just like um i get to do what i want and he thought the whole thing was hilarious. Um, he's a real asshole. So I'm, I have to say, I'm not really one for Schadenfreude, but I'm kind of glad that he's in prison. This does feel like, to me, the best kind of karma for the lives I'm sure he wrecked. Yeah. And I just want to issue a correction here. Shania did come into our comments and ask, wasn't it like a 5,000% increase Oh, um, even better. Yeah, so I just went and did some digging on this, and that does look to be correct because he increased the price of the drug um, Daraprim, which was used for protozoal infections, mm -hmm. from thirteen fifty a tablet to $750 a tablet. Right. After there acquiring it. So yeah, there's, there's some hard numbers. Um, that makes me, I feel like seven years isn't long enough. No, and it does beg the question, you know, what can, what can we be doing as a society to right. regulate the ability of pharma companies from raising prices to that extent? Now, again, I recognize that pharma companies are the ones making breakthroughs for, for, for people. They're the ones who are funding millions sometimes trillions dollars worth of research to to get a breakthrough and so i i do appreciate that they deserve that money because they're the ones who have invested all of the money to to get that cure or to get that vaccine or what have you but shouldn't there be some kind of ceiling or limit you know or at the very least if you're going to raise prices shouldn't it be mandated that you have to do it incrementally i mean what did you say it was, Laura? Like seven dollars or something a Thir pill? Thirteen fifty to seven hundred and fifty. Yeah, shouldn't thirteen dollars to like seven hundred and some dollars just not be allowed? Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is a larger discussion that we can maybe have at a different time. But I know that a lot of people present the option of allowing people to purchase their prescription drugs from Canada as an option as yeah. a means of sort of providing competition so that pharma companies in the United States aren't able to make these kinds of ridiculous leaps in price. Right. That's what I would do if I were them. Yeah. Well, there's there's a number of things that are preventing us from doing that, namely our Congress. But we're going to go ahead and move on to our next story, uh, final news story of the day. So Trump is pushing ahead on his idea of gun training for school employees. Okay. <laughs> so 
that's the bad news. The good news is that the White House didn't offer any specifics as to how this would be implemented or how it would work. Um, The only thing they did say was they would offer gun training for school employees who want it, or they would lobby in favor of having that training for employees who want it. Um, They also didn't include anything about raising the age to purchase from 18 to 21, which Trump previously spoke in support of. Um, So now that's not being discussed by the White House anymore. Okay. Yeah, so it really seems like they're sort of waffling on this, depending on who they talk to. And that's that's a very Trumpian thing to do. His, you know, he sort of blows with the prevailing wind. Um, and yeah. whoever he spoke to last is is uh, who his opinion is informed by. So. Right. I just can't, I still can't wrap my head around the idea that this is a serious conversation we're having. I mean, I think it's hard to say if it is or isn't, because the White House can put out statements like this, right? Like, yes, we support gun training for the teachers, but if they don't do anything about it. Right. No, I know. Well, unfortunately, though, it's also just about the narrative that the president sets. You know, if, if the president, no matter who it is, tosses out a policy idea or a policy solution to something, there are going to be folks who naturally take that and run with it. So even if the only thing the president does is speak words, it can still have a ripple effect. And we've seen, you know, papers have been reporting certain states, including Florida, are trying to now implement, you know, funding to arm school teachers and saying, yeah, you know, we're going to do this on a state level because the president's our leader. and That's a great idea. And it also gives folks who, in this particular case, are against gun control, it gives those folks another talking point to use. So it, you're right that I'm not seeing, you know, I don't see a whole lot happening from the White House on this in terms of, like, them doing very much. But I also think that just them continuing to go back to this talking point over and over again is still doing damage. Right, when it's been proven that this won't work. I mean, if we look at the incident in Parkland, Florida, a couple of weeks ago, there were armed deputies on that campus who did not enter the school during the shooting because they were told to stand down. And these are also deputies who, I'm guessing, aren't carrying assault rifles. So what match are they going to be for somebody who is? These are people who are trained professionals who were not able to prevent this from happening. And now you're telling our teachers who are largely understaffed, underpaid, and overworked that they have to add this to their resume of things. Right. In education. It's just, it's fucking absurd. Um, And I agree. I think it's ridiculous that we even have to entertain it as a possibility. Yep. Yep. Um. And speaking of this issue, uh, the National Rifle Association is suing the state of Florida for a provision in a bill that it passed last week that would raise the legal age to buy a rifle from 18 to 21. Yep. So the NRA, which largely belongs to the party of states' rights, now wants to stop a state from exercising its rights. Um their reason for the lawsuit is they're arguing that this is, this provision is unconstitutional. So I wanted to just take a moment. Is there any way that we can argue in favor of that? Like that we can look at this and say, yes, there is some doubt here that this provision is unconstitutional. We're talking about... In- you mean, increasing the age from 18 to 21 to buy a rifle? I I don't... Here's the thing. The word regulated is right in the Constitution. Like, it's right It's right there. A well-regulated militia. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much more explicit or express the Second Amendment needs to be to make it clear that even back then when they were talking about muskets 
they still intended for those things to be well regulated. And by the way, the intention was that it would be primarily for militias. So I don't, I don't see how you can make the argument that raising the age to 21 is unconstitutional. We do that for, for lots of things that are also expressly protected by the constitution. Again, I, I can't emphasize enough. The constitution doesn't outline that you have free form of these rights, um, however and whenever you want to use them. I mean, there's always certain limits. The question we have to answer as a society is where do we draw the line on those limitations? But we have to stop, we have to stop rather, we have to stop building up the straw man to attack of it's binary. You know, you either are going to like ban all guns and this is unconstitutional or we just have to accept the status quo. Those tend to be the two extremes that folks keep keep coming back to and keep bringing up to make their argument. Oh, it's unconstitutional. Uh, yeah, except, except a lot of district courts and federal courts disagree with you on that. You know, plenty of states have, have written leg- legislation that would raise the, the age of 21, and no one's calling them out on that. So I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. I think that it's a straw man argument. And we can have reasonable conversations about whether or not we should raise the age, but to automatically say it's unconstitutional to me just does not pass any kind of sniff test. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've seen the point brought up um, by a number of people, including a couple of people that I know personally, that this is unfair because while this would prevent say, a 19-year-old from being able to buy a rifle in the state of Florida, that doesn't mean they couldn't drive up to Georgia and do the same thing. So the point that gets brought up is, so you're telling them they have to drive hundreds of miles to get a gun. And I'm like, yes. Yes, they do. Well, there are also states where you have to drive hundreds of miles to get an abortion. Right. And you're saying that that's okay, but then the obtaining a killing machine is something that should be incredibly easy. There shouldn't be a waiting period on that. You shouldn't have to drive any ridiculous distance to get it. You shouldn't have to undergo psychological evaluation. Those are all things that people who want to have abortions have to go through. Yeah. 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 I don't even know what else to say about that. It feels like a little... (laughs) It feels like sometimes arguing with a brick wall when you have these conversations because I feel like the gun issue is so deeply steeped in emotion. Yes. At this point. Uh, on on both sides. To be fair, I understand the emotions of the pro-gun control group because they're coming from a place of having watched children be slaughtered. So I understand that a little bit better, but... Regardless of the side, it's so steeped in emotion um, that I feel like it's a really difficult conversation to have. And even to even to go into, is this constitutional or not? What are like the what's the legality of doing this on the state level versus the federal level? And where do you draw the line? Why twenty one? Why not twenty? Why not thirty? Like even to have those conversations, I feel like. Folks just shut you down. They just say, you know what? I like, you can pry this from my cold, dead hands, and you, they won't even engage. They, it's, it's tough to get folks to even engage. Yeah. It's an all or nothing. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you're either with us or you're with the bloodthirsty, gun hating, baby aborting liberals. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I would just like to. Uh, give a special welcome to Katie, who's just now joining us. Katie says, I completely forgot about daylight savings time and missed the first hour. Oh, that's okay. That's totally cool. Daylight savings sucks. It does. I mean, to be fair, we almost missed the first hour. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, we're going to move along to some feedback. We have a short confession here. It says, are you ever going to do some live shows. 
come on, it can't be that much to do a small tour. And you know, we would come out in flocks, start with Portland. Okay, I love Portland. Yeah, I mean, sold. Just gotta buy the tickets and rent a car. Putting down some notes for Andrew. Okay, yeah, yeah. I honestly, we have actually talked about a tour in the past. You know, I think it would be a ton of fucking fun. Um, the the it's just logistically it can it can be tough. Mm -hmm. You know, I think because primarily because finding a place to host us would be very difficult. (laughs) This isn't the type of show that you would want to have in like a Borders or a Barnes and Noble or something like that. So if we were covering like Harry Potter or Twilight or whatever, all of that worked, you know, but we're not going to have these conversations about butt plugs and everything else right? in a bookstore. So I, I'm not even sure where the hell we would go. Yeah. Well, if you I have appreciate any, the support. Yeah. If you have any recommendations or if you know of venues that would support us, we'd love to hear about them. Um, when we discussed this previously, we talked about the idea of doing it in bars. Right. Because we felt like, oh, you know, that'll make it easier. But then we have so many listeners who aren't 21. Right. We don't exactly. want to exclude them. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Plus, I feel like for for folks at the bar who aren't listeners, they're going to be profoundly confused and probably pissed off that instead of listening to music or being able to have conversation with people, there's just going to be like these people up on a weird makeshift stage cracking like butt jokes. <laughs> and, and but yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't find us funny. At no, all. I don't really find us funny. So I don't, <laughs> I don't blame them, but yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for the support. I appreciate that thought. That's very nice. Uh, we also have an AP joy or choice. Excuse me. Elisa, would you like to read that one? Zach asks, what is one thing in the last week that was good, that made you happy? Just one? Make it a good one, Elisa. God. The first thing that comes to mind is that actually just yesterday, I finally beat Zelda Breath of the Wild. (laughs) And I want to say, I want to say it made me happy that I beat Ganon on my first try because I did like it but to be honest with you it doesn't feel like that much of an accomplishment because as far as boss fights go it was extraordinarily easy like I went into it fucking hyped up I felt like I was you know about to go in a boxing ring I'm scared my heart's racing I my my palms are sweaty mom's spaghetti and then like I get in there and it's like it was over in 10 minutes and not hard at all. So, but it still made me happy. It still made me happy. Um, what about you, Laura? I learned how to play Munchkin on Saturday oh, yeah. night. Um, so that was really cool. It's a game I've been wanting to learn how to play for a while. Um, we played the Marvel edition. Um, so that was especially fun. Uh, and I almost won. So that made me really happy. I was proud of myself. I almost won on my first round. You should be. Munchkin is kind of a complicated game. It is. It is. I was surprised. Yeah. It was good stuff. Um, And I mean, also, it was a good opportunity to just... Because, you know, I was was at a game night with my boyfriend. um, And there were a lot of people there I didn't know. So I kind of got to uh, chat with some new folks. And it was fun to sit down and play a game like that with a lot of people who I largely hadn't met before. Right. So it's good. Yeah, it was nice. I got to meet some new people, learn some new stuff. Uh, You know, got a little tipsy. I'll also say, I just remembered, I saw on Reddit a few days ago that scientists have developed an alternative to styrofoam. Oh shit. And yeah, dude, it's supposed to be like, it's like super sustainable, uh, just as lightweight as styrofoam and I'll have to read up more on it and do a full update on the show but I remember reading that and it's still in the very nascent stages but that made me super happy to hear it's little advancements like that 
have the potential to go such a long way for cleaning up this fucking mess that we have made of this planet. So I was pretty thrilled to read about that. You must have creamed your pants. I did a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, before we move on, too. let's talk about our underwear, shall we? Um, we've discussed <laughs> me undies before, but we're still using them, right, Elisa? Yeah, we are. I, I certainly am. I have probably like six or seven pairs now. My boyfriend has been wearing them almost exclusively for well over a year. He says that they really cup his balls nicely. I can confirm that they make his balls look great. And in seriousness, they're the most comfortable underwear that I have ever owned, especially as someone who wears a lot of leggings. I like them because they're so soft and thin they don't give you the nasty panty lines. That's because they make them with something called lensing micromodal material. I think that's fancy science talk for angel wings and clouds. Yeah. Basically, it feels like a soft kiss to the crotch. Not going to lie. Um, anyway, MeUndies has cool new patterns and prints every single week, and they're offering an exclusive deal for first-time purchasers where you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. And also a soft kiss to the crotch. That's right. So everyone go to MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L to get your 20% off. That's MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L. And then write into the show and let us know how your crotch feels. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's such a, such a weird ask. Hey, guys. So... Now that we've reached this level, we want to know, how do your genitals feel today? That's right. I mean, it's important. Yeah. I feel like if you've ever worn, like, a, just an uncomfortable pair of underwear or unders, underwears that are too small or too big, you don't realize it until you put on a pair of MeUndies. And you're like, holy no, shit. Yeah. No, that's true. I actually, I used to always think I had to choose... When it, come, when it came to like wearing leggings, I either have to wear underwear and accept the fact that everyone's going to see my panties, my panty line, right? Mm -hmm. Or I have to go commando. Those are my options. Right. Uh, now I don't have to choose. Perfect. To wrap up the show today, Elisa and I are going to do an Ask Us Anything. What? We collected a few questions over at our Facebook group facebook.com slash group slash millennial. So we're going to start out with a question from Anne. Anne says, what random habits have you picked up from each other? Oh, God. That's a good one, actually. That's a good question. I kind of, it's hard for me to say because at this point I've known you so long. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've probably picked stuff up and not been aware of it. Probably. Um, I know for a fact that I had a very brief moment in time where I started saying my O's like you do because we were, what? We were talking so much. Um, I learned about this in linguistics, actually. It's actually... It is a phenomenon that happens when you spend a lot of time around somebody who, you know, you highly regard or who has influence on you, this can happen. Um, so I had a, a small period of time where I would say things like home and <laughs> and like ocean um, until someone pointed out to me. I don't know who inspired that, but it wasn't me because I don't say it like that. Yeah, you do. Okay. You got that Baltimore accent. That's great. That's really great. <laughs> Drew wants know. to know. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, I don't. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? I was going to read the next question. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Drew wants to know what dog breed would you assign each other? It's like, Ooh. which dog breed do we remind each other of? I already know for you. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. For you, I uh, see. Oh, I kind of 
Okay, my instinct, the first thing I was going to say was maybe like a golden retriever. Wow, you think I'm stupid, huh? <gasps> they're not stupid. Yeah, they no. they are. I mean, they're they're super sweet and every but they're no, not no. like the smartest breed. Actually, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe a golden retriever would be met. I actually kind of got it. <laughs> I think I think you would be a border collie. A border collie, huh? I think a border collie because they are actually they're very intelligent. Um they will fuck your day up though if like you don't if you don't take care of them right or if like you fu- you mess with them. I've seen them in action. They are super like they will not they don't put up with shit. They just don't. But absolutely adorable and yeah, very cute. That's what that's yeah. you. Matt's easy. Matt's definitely the golden retriever. Actually, now that I think about it, because he's loyal to a fault. Mm-hmm. Like he will jump in front of a bullet for your ass. Um, Andrew, I think might be a little harder. What dog pretends to have no emotion but secretly does? Mm-hmm. That's Andrew. Yeah, listeners, help us out. What do you think, Laura? For Andrew? Fuck. I was thinking some kind of like... Maybe a greyhound? Because they are the... Like, as a dog, if you observe a greyhound, they look like they're not doing anything. And I don't mean that to say that Andrew looks like he's not doing anything. I mean it more in terms of like having a very stoic outward presence. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of greyhounds do have a lot of feels underneath because a lot of them got raced when they were younger. And so like in their old age, they're like, they're just trying to be fucking retired. (laughs) So I don't know. It's pretty in depth there. Okay. Uh, I was trying to be, I was trying to be. And for you, this is going to sound really, trite because you have these dogs but i genuinely think a lab for you because they're very intelligent Mm. they learn fast see there's a difference between intelligence and learning fast right so like my dog is super smart but she's also really stubborn Mm. so she doesn't learn fast but you learn really fast. You're also mm. really loyal and cuddly when need be. <laughs> I love this because labs are so near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say intelligence depends on the lab. I have a chocolate lab that is the biggest idiot. I think you're right in general that they're a smart breed, but she's a fucking moron. Jesus Christ. It Wasn't there some like questionable like breeding practices that might have explained that uh yeah you know what chocolate labs are weird in general we've had two, this is our second one that is just not just a she's one can short of a six-pack you know what i'm saying like she stares at herself in the in in the window she clearly sees herself she tries to bite herself <laughs> she's not young it's not like she's learning like object permanence still like she gets it she just tries to bite herself in the glass anyway and then she gets scared when she can't she's fucking weird but i take your point and i'm very flattered katie says i feel like andrew would be just like his dog his dog brooklyn yeah well that's not that's a good thing brooklyn's pretty cute brooklyn is very cute he seems maybe more cheerful than andrew (laughs) He's going to be Aww. so mad when he listens to this. <gasps> Fuck you guys. Jeez. <laughs> He's not going to come back. Um, anyway, moving on to the next question. Rachel asks, what are the pros and cons of a long-term, long-distance best friendship? Oh. Only there, cons. I was going to say there are way more cons than pros. Yeah. Way more. I think for me, the only pro has been that when I've moved around in life, it's not affected my relationship with Laura at all. Mm -hmm. So if I, you know, when I moved to college or away from college or when I moved out of my parents' place, 
moving has not affected the relationship at all. Whereas for a lot of friendships, it can. And I think when the friendship is based on physical proximity, when you lose that physical proximity, sometimes that translates into also losing some of the emotional intimacy. And that's not been the case for us. And that's probably the only pro I can really think of. But it is a significant one. It makes me feel like she's my Polly Pocket friend. I shouldn't just like (laughs) stick her in my pocket and go wherever and she's always there. So that's nice. Except you stick me in your butt. Yeah. And he gets stuck there. Um, I think the other thing that's a pretty significant pro is the fact that we only get to see each other a couple times a year means that we really make that time count. Yeah, lots of sex. Yeah, of course. Um, But I mean, we always like, we never get together for a long weekend or anything and then are just like, we're going to sit here on our phones and ignore each other like a lot of friends do when they get together when they see each other a lot um so like even like for instance when elisa came to visit me last year to see my place we didn't do any like big events like we didn't go kayaking or anything crazy but like we hung around my place and we just talked we just talked a lot right um and that time you know it feels really important and valuable and i think that also allows us to have a friendship where not seeing each other all the time isn't a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we sort of get together and it feels like we picked up exactly where we left off the last time we saw each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast doesn't hurt. Make no, sure not that, at all. Make that's sure great. that we keep in regular contact. Yeah, no, that's great. I The cons though are sort of all the cons that you would imagine, right? Like I, I'm really regret and I miss... I can't even say miss because it's not like we ever had it, but I regret that I can't just like call you up and like on a random weeknight and say, hey, you want to come over and have dinner? Or Mm -hmm. like, I can't see movies with you. There's so many movies that I I feel like would be like great movies to see with you specifically. And like, we never get to do that. I know. The closest thing we ever had to that was when I went to college in Maryland. Yeah. So there were like four years there where we could kind of do that, but we still lived kind of far. It wasn't like we could hang out every day type deal. Um, But yeah, I agree. And the thing that bums me out about it, too, is anytime I'm talking to Mark and we're like talking about things that require multiple people, like I was talking about an escape room recently, like, oh, I really want to go to this escape room. And he was like, we should do it next time Brian and Elisa come down. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. but that's like, it's not like they're coming tomorrow. Right. No. <laughs> I do that all the time. All I, Sometimes I don't have experiences because I'm just waiting for you to come back. So like, <laughs> so like, I, I'm sorry. So like when we we did that, remember that that park we went to where like we climbed. It was like an adventure park. It's called yeah. an adventure park. You climb through these trees and there's zip lining and it's like a whole jungle gym for adults. It's a lot of fun. It's exhausting but fun. I've not gone back there since then because I keep thinking I want to do that with Laura. <laughs> so I yeah, yeah there's I'm the there's same way times like that that really suck. Let's get together soon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, last one, last con is when one of us is going through something difficult. Mm -hmm. It is really hard not to be there. It's actually weirdly enough harder for me not to be there for you than like it is. Oh, I want you here for me. Mm -hmm. Like when you're going through something tough, my instinct is just to like Molly Weasley you to death and like wrap you up in my arms and <laughs> sounds so wrong but you know what i mean <laughs> no i know. like like smother you in like affection and just like talking it out whatever and i feel like that's a lot harder to do yeah it definitely is can they they need to invent skype but like so you can give virtual hugs yeah like, so i can just reach through the screen i think they did that in star trek they did they're a much more advanced society than we are. 
Yeah. Uh, Victor wants to know what other podcasts do we listen to? Um, I'm a big Mugglecast fan. <laughs> I listen to that on their regular. Uh, my boyfriend's gotten me somewhat into. What are they called? They're brothers. Hold on. I'm going to have to look this up. Shit. Shit, shit, shit. You can answer, Laura. Okay. Um, so recently, I, I kind of go through phases with podcasts. Um, right now, I'm listening to two by the same people. Um, Atlanta Monster, which is about the Atlanta child murders of the late 70s, early 80s. Um, it's from Tenderfoot TV and the How Stuff Works people. Um, and then the same guy did a podcast uh, like two years ago called Up and Vanished that was about a disappeared uh, woman uh, here in Georgia. Um, and it, it was a really weird case. And at the time that he started the podcast, it was still unsolved. It was a cold case. But he started digging into it and bringing a lot of media attention back to the case. So they were actually able to make some strides on it. Um, so that's what I'm into right now. I really like true crime. So mm. those kind of podcasts, like I love Serial. Yeah. Um, I also like other scary stuff. Like I think I plugged the podcast Spooked mm -hmm. last fall when it was running. Um, that it just gets real people to come on and tell their accounts of like ghost and paranormal experiences that they had. Um, I also love This American Life. Uh, I'm a big fan of NPR, so Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is also a really good one. If you haven't heard it before, Jesus. it's very funny. Um, so yeah, I like a lot of podcasts. <laughs> that is a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Honestly, I don't feel like I listen to any now compared to you. Um, Sorry. I, no, 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 that's fine. Uh, so My Brother, My Brother and Me is something that my boyfriend's gotten me into. I've only heard a few episodes, but they're, they've all been really good. It's, they're very funny. Um, gosh. Uh, Pod Save America. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Those guys are amazing. Um, I highly, highly recommend Pod Save America. If, if, if you like hearing like, honestly, really interesting political discourse you know from people who are like actual professionals and know what they're doing and what they're talking about <laughs> so they're very they're very good and they and they find a way to keep those conversations fresh and funny so yeah, i would check them out too cool uh tj wants to know have you ever dated interracially um I want to say I want to say no. So my gut feeling is to say no, not really. Um, I have dated several Jewish men. I don't know that, and I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I'm I genuinely don't know how or if that would count towards it being interracial. I know that some in the Jewish community do consider it to be a race, and so I would want to respect that, but others don't. So I take it for what you will. I've had several Jewish boyfriends, but I think that's, that's about it. Um, yeah, I have my boyfriend, Mark is black. Um, and I was thinking about previous romantic partners today. Um, and to be honest with you, I've only ever seriously dated one white guy. Yeah. And I think, I think environment has a lot to do with it. Um, when I was dating him, it was when I was in college at a largely white private school in Northern Maryland. So, uh, and then... Very white. Very white. And then on the other hand, I lived in Costa Rica for a couple of years. And now I live in Atlanta, two pretty diverse areas. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Julie wants to know, Elisa, since you play Dungeons and Dragons, what do you think the other hosts' alignments are in real life? Now that is a good question. Oh, <laughs> shit. Um, fuck. 
Uh, I think Laura is going to probably have to be... Oh, Jesus. I kind of... God, this sounds so cheesy and corny and, and predictable. I feel like Laura would have to be lawful good. Lawful good is normally, like... I mean, it is what it sounds like. Someone who believes in in following, like, the, some sort of a code. It might be the actual law, but it doesn't have to be. Some sort of code of conduct that they apply fairly and evenly and objectively no matter who they're encountering there's some sort of code that they believe in and they apply that even-handedly and they're good they're inherently a good person i think that's laura um oh god well i do i think it makes the most sense for you for sure well that's very kind of you I mean, the only other option for you would be chaotic good. And that's more, the the chaos part sounds really bad, but it's not. It more implies that there's not a, like a particular code, that you're more adaptable and flexible, and you see moral gray areas. I think that could also apply to you. We'll say okay. one of the, we'll see, we'll say one of those two. Lawful good or chaotic good. Andrew is definitely just like chaotic evil. He just fucks everything <laughs> up. No, I'm kidding. I think Andrew is... I think Andrew's just... Uh, I think he's neutral. I think he's either neutral or chaotic neutral. Because I think that he tends not to... I think he has the ability to be... I think he's an inherently good person, of course. But I think that his... I think that his view on like certain issues can take on either a good or an evil perspective depending on what Andrew you get that day. <laughs> like there You're are making t- him sound like a sociopath. <laughs> no, I mean most of the time for instance, Andrew is not a fan of President Trump, right? But sometimes he'll go totally off the wall and be like, "You know what? We deserve this. I say we get rid of term limits, Trump forever." And like he just says crazy shit. So I think he would probably be like chaotic neutral because he, he just has a crazy streak. Uh, Matt, I know Matt is no longer with us. Rest in peace. I'm still <laughs> going to say Matt would be. I'm going to say Matt would be neutral good. Neutral good is um, someone who's generally div- like generally all about like helping other people and doesn't really feel like they're beholden to like a certain code or laws or anything. They're kind of just like, you know, I'll help whoever's in front of me. Even if you're a bad person and I should fucking hate you, I'm going to help you anyway. Sort of like this like jolly kind of personality. Hard to describe. Um, but yeah, I think that's him. Neutral good. I could go on about this forever, but. I, I noticed. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, episode 10. Did just want to remind y'all that uh, Tonight After Dark is not being streamed live, but it is available. Uh, If you just go on over to patreon.com slash millennial, you will see the episode entitled Boyfriends is up for your listening pleasure right now. So tune into that. Don't forget to vote in the Matt poll over at Patreon as well. And uh, Andrew will be back next week to bring this uh, sinking ship back from the brink. Yeah, thank God. Oh Although God. I think we, I think we did okay. I think we got it. I think we did fine too. <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, we did fine. We did fine. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We will see you next week for season four, episode eleven. Bye. Bye.